him in his house and lift up his holy name uh, and think about all of those things. So as we open up in prayer, Adam, would you stand up right where you are and open us up in a word of prayer? Thank you, Adam.
Amen. All right. I want, to, I want you to make sure that you've got a bulletin and you see the things that are going on. Obviously, we already mentioned a building fund offering this morning. The Owl's Luncheon is immediately following. So that's uh, the Owl's Luncheon. Don't forget that over in the fellowship hall. Choir practice tonight at 6 o'clock. Please make sure that you're here for that choir. Negative. Got that? Negative. All right. So in that one right there, you can just cross it right out of your bulletin. No choir practice tonight. Don't forget that. Youth Group and Discovery Club, Tuesday night, 6.30 to 8.30. Don't forget that. Men's 33 Series is also meeting on Tuesday nights, 6.45. So that's been going amazing. We thank Rick for doing that, and it's been a blessing. Our Easter program, it's a little bit different this year, uh, and I'm very excited about it, uh, but it will be two performances on April the 7th, that's on Good Friday at 7 o'clock, and then on Easter at 11. And this one is a little bit different, but we've got some amazing music that uh, goes along with just some, uh, some great narrative that we really want these, these songs to speak to you, and so we're looking at that. There is some acting as well, but it is just going to be great, and that will be the Easter story, and it will be presented then. And then on, make sure you mark this in your bulletin, and, and you've got this. But then on Easter Sunday, there'll be no evening service. So we'll have a Good Friday service. We'll have a Sunday morning service. We'll have uh, uh, Sunday school and church, but then no evening service. So remember that. Church directory photos, make sure that you are signing up for those. Uh, they're scheduling them. You need to go out and see Ruby and Andrew about making sure that you're signed up for that. Men's devotion night, Friday, April 14th. That is actually at the Eastern Pennsylvania Campground. So it's a great time all leading up to the workday on the 15th. So I think some folks are even going to, are they going to camp out there? Is that right? Are you going to camp out there, Sean? No. Oh, Sean, come on. Eric's going to camp out there. Okay, all right. So I think that uh, for men's devotion night, find out about that. It'll be a camp, uh, camp out for uh, sons, uh, dad, fathers and sons out there. And then the next day is a, is a work day as well. So make sure that you're on that on April 15th. Young adults, Bible study, April 15th. So much going on. That's at 7 o'clock in the fellowship hall. On Sunday, April the 16th, the Phillips family will be with us in the morning service, so don't forget that. And uh, also, fellowship meeting, Saturday, April 19th, and that will be at True Gospel Baptist Church in Quarryville, Pennsylvania. So make sure that you got all of those. Lots and lots of stuff going on, and we thank the Lord for it. At this time, we're going to have our ushers come, and this offering will be our regular tithes and offerings. So remember that this morning. It'll be later that we'll take up an offering for the building fund. All right. Jason, would you ask a blessing on the offer this morning? Stand. 
right before the message, I'm going to get our ushers to come again. We're going to take up an offering. This offering will be for our building fund offering. So if we get them to come and uh, we praise the Lord for, the, for him visiting with us just week after week. Uh, and you look around and uh, we thank the Lord that uh, we're getting a little full. Those are good problems. Amen. Uh, and so we're, if you're wondering and you aren't a part of the meetings that we have often uh, or business meetings, uh, our youth programs are also busting at the seams. So we're praying. Uh, we're asking God to give us direction about finances, about types of buildings, all of those things are still being discussed and are up in the air. But there's also some needs in our church, uh, carpet and stuff like that, and I'm explaining a little bit of it. Uh, and so we're taking up some offerings to specifically go towards the building uh, and make sure that we can upkeep what we already have uh, and to get a temperature if the Lord would uh, bless us so that we could start to build uh, and do other projects. So we thank you. Everything you give in this uh, offering this morning will go to our building funds. We want you to make sure that you know that. Kurt, would you ask a blessing on this offering? sanctuary that we're in now, Lord, but uh, as Michael pointed out, Father, we have some things that we need to take care of, Lord, so we pray that you would just, um, just use this offering for the furtherment of your kingdom, Lord, and just help us to give openly and freely. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Page 355. 355. Everybody stand. Praise him. Praise him. Our blessed Redeemer, sing, O oh, earth, His wonderful love proclaim. Hail Him, hail Him, highest archangels in glory, strength and honor, give to His holy name. Like a shepherd, Jesus will guard His children. excellent greatness praise him praise him ever in joyful song last verse praise him praise him jesus our blessed redeemer and the portals loud with hosannas ring jesus savior reigneth forever and ever Prophet and priest and king, Christ is coming over the world victorious. Power and glory unto the Lord belong. Praise him, praise him, tell of his excellent greatness. Praise him, praise him, ever in joyful song. Amen. You may be seated. All right, isn't it great to be in the house of the Lord on a Sunday morning at Nottingham Missionary Baptist Church? So, Brian, right? 
No? Brandon. Brandon. Yeah, I saw you this week. Did you know that? <laughs> yes, I did. Uh, when I was in Texas, I could see Brandon out there uh, washing my deck. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Uh, so I do a really very much so. And then where is Ray Keys? Ray Keys, your family's been to Kenya? That's correct. Okay, so I need to see you. You're, you're in big trouble now. So. <laughs> All right, if you have your Bible this morning... I'd like for you to turn with me, please, to the Gospel of John, chapter number 12. The Gospel of John, chapter number 12. It is Palm Sunday, and uh, we're going to be looking uh, at the triumphal entry of the Lord Jesus Christ recorded in the Gospel of John. Not, not the entire passage, but uh, it is recorded in all four Gospels, uh, and, uh, w which is kind of unique. Uh, most of the events in the life of Christ uh, are not recorded in all four Gospels. Uh, some are recorded, quite a few are recorded in three of the Gospels, and then, uh, and then a whole lot of them are recorded in at least two of the Gospels. Uh, but it's kind of rare, just a few of the incidences in the life of Christ are recorded in all four Gospels, and this is one of them. So if we're wondering just how important it is, it is very important. Uh, it's mentioned in all four Gospels. And it is also something, something else that we need to take note of. Now, I, I realize that, uh, I, I, hey, I, I was born a Baptist. I was born into a Baptist family. My grandfather was a Baptist preacher. My father was a Baptist preacher. Uh, four of my uncles are Baptist preachers. Uh, I have, uh, I have uh, lots of cousins that are Baptist preachers. I have a son and, a gra and two grandsons that are Baptist preachers. I'm, I'm Baptist, okay? So just don't, don't get nervous, okay? <laughs> Baptist born, Baptist bred. When I die, I'll be Baptist dead. Baptist from the top of my bald head to the bottom of my bald feet, I am Baptist. Uh, and sometimes being Baptist, we, we look at other things that other denominations or other groups do and we immediately think that just because they do it it's got to be wrong it's got to be a bad idea uh, because if it was a good idea the Baptist would do it and and we'd probably be the only ones doing it because we we do everything right we're uh, we're not always right but we're never in doubt so we're we've got it we, we got it figured out uh, but the truth of the matter is is that uh, there are a great number of uh, Christian denominations and groups around the world uh, that recognize Holy Week. They, they take note of Holy Week. And uh, Holy Week starts today. It starts, Holy Week starts with Palm Sunday and of course it ends on Easter Sunday morning. And uh, so because... Others do it, and we're Baptists, we don't do what they do. So we just, you know, we just, nobody mentions Holy Week in the Baptist church a lot of times. But I would like to say to you that there is absolutely no reason for someone to criticize Holy Week. <laughs> you, 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 you just can't find any reason to put it down. 
as a matter of fact, it doesn't matter. Uh, I personally believe that Jesus was crucified on Friday. I have a lot of friends that believe that Jesus was crucified on Wednesday. And I have two or three friends that believe that he was crucified on Thursday. So I don't know where they get that. But anyway, uh, we have disagreements with it. But having studied the Jewish calendar and the way the Jewish calendar works, uh, I have come uh, to believe that Jesus Christ was crucified on a Friday and that he rose Sunday morning. And so therefore, whether you believe in Good Friday or Good Wednesday or even Good Thursday, whatever you believe, this week is the week of the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus Christ. It doesn't make any difference which one of those days you pick. He was still crucified this week. And then the other thing I want you to think about is that it is, it is a very special and significant day to have been recorded in all four Gospels, this triumphal entry, this palm celebration of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the reason it's called Palm Sunday, as I'm sure you know, is because they, uh, they took down palm branches and they strew them in the way of the Lord Jesus Christ who was riding on a donkey coming into Jerusalem. And uh, so it is a significant day no matter how you look at it. Now, I would say to Nottingham, the congregation here, that whether or not you have ever even considered uh, commemorating Holy Week before, if that's never even crossed your mind, if it, you know, you're Baptist. Nobody ever mentioned it. Nobody ever said anything. You never even thought about it. Uh, of course, if you've been here for a long time, you've probably heard it a few times. But, but, but regardless, if you've never even considered it, I would say to you that from now to next Sunday, you ought to have some special time in prayer and some special time in meditation considering the fact that this is the week of the death and the burial and the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. You ought to, you ought to thank him every day for that. Well, where would we be if he had not been crucified? We would be lost in our sins forever. You could say, and I've heard preachers say, well, if Jesus hasn't died, we'd be lost in our sins today. <laughs> If Jesus had not died for our sins, we would be lost in our sins for eternity. We would have no hope of heaven, no hope of joy, no hope of redemption, no hope of sanctification, no hope of being glorified, no hope of raising from the dead, no hope of any joy whatsoever in life or eternity if it had not been for the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus Christ. Then if it had not been for the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, you and I would have no hope of being raised from, from, from the grave if we go that way in this life. Death would be the end for us. It would be the end of life as we know it. And it would be the beginning of torment and destruction for all eternity. So however you look at it, this is a very, very special week indeed. And it is a week that we ought to stop and, and contemplate and think and, 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 and give God the glory and give God the praise for all the glorious and wonderful things that he's done. Having said that, now let's look at verse number 12 of, uh, of chapter number 12 of the Gospel of John and stand with us please in honor of the reading of the Word of God. 
On the next day, much people were come to the feast when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. Now, if, if you didn't catch exactly what that verse is saying is, these people came to the feast because they heard Jesus was coming to the feast. You understand? So they, they didn't just, hey, have you ever been, been somewhere just because you knew somebody was going to be there? So how many of you went down to the Smoky Mountain Jubilee just because you knew CT was going to be down there? I wonder how many did that. Anybody? You had to raise your hand. A few of you did. You're willing to admit it. Yeah, of course you did. You wanted to hear CT preach. By the way, I'll be with him this week. We're going to be down in Lyons, Georgia, preaching together down at the Georgia Fellowship meeting, Georgia Baptist Fellowship. So anyway, yeah, and, 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 and there's been times. i tell you, if, if, uh, if, if, if uh, uh, W.A. Criswell were alive, and if he were preaching in California, I might go out to hear him preach if he were alive today. Yeah, you go because somebody you know, somebody you're, you're interested in, somebody you care about, somebody you've heard about, somebody you've been waiting to hear, waiting to see, waiting to look at that person, waiting to find out exactly what's, what's it all about. You went there just because they were there. That's what was happening on the triumphal day. Now, a lot of preachers say, oh, this same crowd's gonna, they're gonna yell, crucify him, crucify him. Well, it may be true that some in this crowd may very well have done that, but I'm not so sure that's a hundred percent true but one thing I do know is it sure turned around quickly for Jesus between now and the time of his crucifixion in just two or three days from now they're going to look at Jesus quite differently whether it's this exact crowd or not I cannot say but I do know that it's going to turn around quickly and what I also know is I know you're still standing I'm going to finish reading I promise but there's something else I'd like to say too. This crowd was glad to see him. And they had come specifically to see Jesus. They had come specifically to see Jesus. Took branches off palm trees, verse 13, and went forth to meet him and cried, Hosanna, blessed is the king of Israel that cometh in the name of the Lord. And Jesus, when he had found a young ass, sat thereon as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, thy king cometh sitting on an ass's colt. These things understood not his disciples at the first. <laughs> but when Jesus was glorified, then remembered they that these things were written of him and that they had done these things unto him. So that verse number 16 is the reason I'm not so sure that this same crowd that was shouting Hosanna would be the same ones who would be shouting crucify him because the Bible says they didn't understand now, but later on they would because they were disciples, they were learners, they were followers of Jesus Christ. Dear Lord, we pray you'd help us in the understanding of the Word of God today. Lord, this is such a special time of year. Lord, it is such a holy time of year. May we not miss its importance in our life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Now let me tell you something, when I went to the Holy Land, and we call it the Holy Land because that's what it's always been called in our presence and among others, we've always called it the Holy Land. But let me tell you something, 
It, 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 it is the Holy Land. It, it really is. When we were walking up in, we, we, were, we, were, uh, we were in Capernaum, and we were walking a little trail uh, up to the house where uh, Jesus had lived for three and a half years during his ministry. And as we were walking up that trail, someone said, these are the very places, the stones you're walking on, they are the very stones that Jesus would have stepped on coming from the Sea of Galilee up to the house he lived in, in Capernaum. And I'll tell you, it meant something to me. It was, it was hard to take it in. It, I'm standing where my Savior stood. I'm walking where my Savior walked. I'm looking into the room where my, where my Savior had fish and bread with his apostles. I'm telling you, there's something holy about that place. And of course, you've all heard me tell about my experience at the, at the, at the Western Wall. And I'll never forget that. I'll never, never forget that. And, uh, and, and I knew I was standing on holy ground. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. So if there is a holy place, and I believe Zion is a holy place, then there's a holy time. And I believe this is a holy time. And we need to reverence it. And we need to recognize it. And we need to notice what is, what is happening in our life and in the life of others. Now, I, I want us to think for a moment here what he says. I want us to notice one specific verse. Uh, verse number 13. I want us to notice just that one verse for a moment. They took branches of palm trees and they went forth to meet him. And they cried. Now, notice what they cried. Hosanna... And then they said this, Blessed is the king of Israel that cometh in the name of the Lord. Uh, in, in my Bible here that I'm looking at, uh, I not only have that marked and underlined, but I actually have it circled where he said, Blessed is the king of Israel that cometh in the name of the Lord. I have that blessed is he, the king of Israel. I have that circled in my Bible. Because as I begin to think about what he was saying there, blessed is the king of Israel. I just could not help it. I, I, I just couldn't. I couldn't help but think of all the problems that Israel has had concerning their kings. I'm telling you, Israel had some lousy kings. They had some horrible kings. They had some immoral kings and wicked kings. I mean, think of Ahab and, and, uh, and Jezebel. Think about how wicked a king Ahab was. And could I tell you, if you search the scriptures carefully, you will find that Ahab was not the most wicked king of all of Israel. Now, I believe Jezebel was by far the most wicked king, a queen that, uh, that ever reigned in Israel. But Ahab was not the most wicked king. There were kings that, uh, that did even worse than Ahab did. And so just imagine the horrible kings that they had. 
As a matter of fact, not only that, but uh, even the way they started with their kings was difficult. Turn over with me, if you would, please, to the book of Acts. It's just over a little bit. To the book of Acts, chapter number 13, and I want to read a few verses uh, from a sermon that's been preached there. Uh, and, uh, uh, and that's what is recorded there in the book of Acts. By the way, there's lots of sermons in the book of Acts. Sermons that Paul preached, sermons that Peter preached, sermons that other preached. So if you want to find out what they were preaching like in the early days of the church, then look in the book of Acts and look up the sermons that are being preached and you'll find out the way they preached. And you know what? I believe that we ought to preach the way they preached back then. And you know what they preached back then? They preached the word of God. They preached the word of God. And that's what's taking place here. Look at the way he preaches and look at what he says. He says this, uh, as he is preaching, he says this, and after that he gave unto them judges about the space of 450 years until Samuel the prophet. And afterward, now notice what it says here, they desired a great king. And God gave unto them Saul, the son of Sis, a man of the tribe of Benjamin by the space of 40 years. So Saul ruled 40 years. Saul started out as a pretty good king, but in the end he turned out to be a tragic king. But look at verse number 22. And when he had removed him, he raised up unto them David to be their king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse. This is what God says now. A man after mine own heart, which shall fulfill all my will. So they started out rough with a king. If you'll read it all, we don't have time to do it all this morning, of course, but uh, if, you, if you'll check it out and, and read the passage of scriptures uh, in, in the book of First uh, and Second Samuel, you'll find uh, that uh, Samuel was brokenhearted because they did not want to be ruled uh, with a theocracy. They did not want God to be their ruler. Instead, they wanted to be like everybody else. They wanted to be like all the other nations, and they wanted to have a king. So God says, all right, if you want a king, I'll give you a king and he gave him Saul and Saul started out pretty good but then it got kind of rough and then they, they weren't so sure Saul was such a great idea after all and then God raised up David a man after God's own heart he was not a now listen to me carefully David was definitely not a perfect man there are there are at least a minimum of three great sins that David committed. And I'm not going to mention, uh, not going to go into all that this morning, but there's at least three great sins that David committed and is recorded in the Bible. And yet, in the book of Acts, God so moves upon the preacher that he says, <laughs> and I quote, a man after God's own heart. David was a man who sought to know the Lord. He sought to know the Lord. And he became, early on, second king of, uh, of Israel, and yet the second king of Israel remains to this day the greatest king of Israel. Pretty amazing, don't you think? But the Bible says that when Jesus is coming, they're throwing down their palm branches and they're saying, uh, blessed is the king of Israel. Blessed is the king of Israel who cometh in the name of the Lord. Here comes the king of Israel. So could I say to you, 
that it is in God's will for Israel to have a king. Doesn't say anything about whether or not they should ever have a prime minister. It doesn't say anything about whether or not they should ever have their form of a parliament government. It doesn't say anything about, uh, about God determining that they're going to have a democracy. Listen, don't worship at the altar of democracy. We live in a democratic republic right now in the United States, and I'm telling you, it ain't that great. Okay? <laughs> Just look around. America's great, but I don't know about this government we've got sometimes. And uh, I've been reading some things over the last three or four weeks that uh, if I had hair, it would have made it stand up straight. But since I don't, it didn't. But anyway, so, but God does say that it was in his will for David to be the king, right? And, and apparently, these people were expecting Jesus to become the king of Israel right that moment. And so they were shouting for the king of Israel, Jesus Christ. And then before the week is over, he's crucified, buried, and risen again. Crucified by the very government that's there. And could I say yes that it was Roman soldiers that uh, nailed him to a cross and uh, and uh, and thrust the spear in his side and uh, and it was them that that did the crucifying. But it was the government of the local government of Israel that wanted him crucified. Pilate wanted to have nothing to do with it. The Roman government did not want to crucify Jesus. The Jewish government did. And they pleaded with him because they did not have the authority. They did not have the power to uh, put up a person to death. Uh, so they pleaded with the Roman government to agree with them uh, and, uh, and, and put Jesus on the cross. So the Jewish government crucified Jesus, nailed him to a cross, and then he was lovingly prepared for burial and laid in a tomb in which he spent three days, and then on Sunday morning, he rose from the dead. Physically and bodily, Jesus rose from the dead. But in all of this, he still was not the king of Israel. He still was not the king of Israel. But that's what they're saying. We're talking about a king, and, and they're shouting, Hosanna to the king of Israel, but he's not the king. Now turn with me and we'll be done to the book of the Revelation. The book of the Revelation. So I have to say this, okay? I had a couple of preachers here uh, in the last little while. Mark Edwards, who I love dearly, a man of great faith, but he does not know the difference between a psalm and a book of the Bible that has chapters. Okay? <laughs> Do you notice that? At least 10 times, I counted, at least 10 times, he said, turn to Psalms chapter. And every time I wanted to stand up and say, we don't have chapters in the book of Psalms. We have Psalms in the book. You don't, we don't turn to hymn chapter number 143 to sing. We, sing, we turn to hymn number. And, but anyway, that has nothing to do with this whatsoever. I just, just, just something that came to mind. I don't know. But anyway, I was thinking about it because I always refer to it as the book of the Revelation 
And most people refer, refer to it as the book of Revelations. If you look, it does not say Revelations with an S. Does it? Does it say Revelations with an S in your Bible? It doesn't in my Bible. It says Revelation. It is the book of the revelation that God gave John. Okay? It is it is this one revelation that God gave John, and that's what it is. It's the book of the revelation of John the Apostle. So just forgive me if I couldn't help it. You know, I, I, I don't have many hobby horses, and the ones I have are awful small. So just let me, let me bow with it. Now look what he says in verse number 11 of chapter number 19 of the book of the Revelation. Revelation chapter number 19 and verse number 11. Look, look at what he says. John is giving his revelation. He's writing it down. God's giving him the revelation, and then John is writing it down. And notice what he says in this revelation, this glorious revelation that is just about to come to its completion. He's almost finished. He's down to the last few lines. Just a little bit more, few more paragraphs, and John will be finished with his revelation that he received from God. And notice what he says as he gets down to the last of his revelation. And I saw heaven open, verse number 11, and behold a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called faithful and true, and in righteousness does he judge and make war. And his eyes were a flame of fire, and his head, and on his head were many crowns. And now notice this, and he had a name written that no man knew but he himself, and he was clothed in a vesture dipped in blood and his name is called glory hallelujah the word of God the word of God let me tell you something Jesus is the word and the word is Jesus you cannot separate the two what was his name called the word he had a name that nobody knows by the way if you're born again you'll know it when he gets here St. Peter won't have to tell you, okay? You won't have to have somebody go whisper it in your ear like I'm doing this morning. No, no, no. When he gets here, you'll know it when he gets here. But right now, it's reserved until that day. But then there is a name that he revealed that is here, besides faithful and true, and that name is the Word of God. Glory, hallelujah. I worship the Word of God. I hear people say it all the time. Oh, we don't worship the Word of God. You're right. We don't worship black words on a white page. But we do worship the person of the word of God. His name is Jesus. So yes, we worship the word of God. And that's what he says right here. He is, he is called the word of God. Now notice verse 14. And the armies which were in heaven following him upon white horses clothed in fine linen, white and clean, and out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, and with it he should smite a nation, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron, and tread, treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And here it is, verse number 16. This is the one I want. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. 2,000 years ago, they stood in Jerusalem as Jesus came down out of the Mount of Olives. Oh, you could, if you could, you could be there and see it. It's, it's, you, the Mount of Olives is high. 
It is. It's high. Jerusalem, the center of the Mount Zion, where the, where the temple was, it's up high. And you got to come down off the Mount of Olives. And you can see the trail as it goes all the way down. And then, oh, it's only about maybe 200 yards in the valley. And then it goes back up to the top where the temple was and now sits now sits a Muslim mosque but one day one day God's going to have a temple there and one day Jesus is going to sit on the throne of his father David in the land of Zion and I'm telling you when he gets there he's going to be crowned king of kings and that's what they are foreshadowing that's they didn't know it they had no idea Nobody ever bothered to even tell them. Jesus didn't even tell them. And the apostles didn't tell them. And the disciples didn't tell them. I've been dying. One of these days we're going to talk about the difference between an apostle and a disciple, but not today. I am, I am dying to talk about that. But anyway, we're not, we're not there today. But his apostles and his disciples didn't tell him either. But that great crowd of people pulling down them palm branches and throwing them in the way. There Jesus tramples over them, sitting on that donkey, showing his humility. He came to be our servant king. Did you notice this? He came from the Mount of Olives to the top of Jerusalem's hill in the temple. And what was he doing? He was riding a donkey. He was my servant king. He was my servant king. He came to die for me. He came to serve humanity. He came to open the door of salvation. But in Revelation, he's not riding a donkey. He's, white, he's riding a white horse. He is riding the steed of kings. He is riding the steed of royalty. He is wearing a royal robe and he is surrounded by those who are shouting his praises and he's not just a king. He's not just the king of Israel. He is the king of all kings. Glory, hallelujah. When we worship today on Palm Sunday, we are worshiping the coming of the king of kings. They were prophesying it and weren't even aware of it. Let me tell you something. If you're following Jesus, you're doing things that you're never even going to know about until you get to heaven. Did you know that? I mean, if you're really living for Jesus, then you're going through valleys and heartaches. You're dealing with people that you don't understand. You're climbing mountains and crossing rivers. It just seems so tough sometimes. And then one day you're going to get to glory. Once you get to glory, Jesus is going to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of thy reward. And you're going to walk in and somebody's going to be standing there and you don't know them from Job's turkey. I mean, Adam's house cat is more familiar to you than this person. And they're going to walk up to you and they're going to say, if it hadn't been for you, I'd have never got saved. And you're going to say, I, I, I don't understand. I don't, I don't remember leading you to Jesus. Oh, no, 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 you didn't. 
you preached here or you witnessed there or you were talking to my friend and I overheard or, uh, or, or I watched your life and I saw your testimony. I was your neighbor from afar and I, I watched you going to church every Sunday and, and, and getting your kids ready and, and loving them to Jesus and, and it had an impact on my life. I'm telling you, Jesus is using you if you're following him, if you're trusting in him, if you're really living for Jesus and sold out for the cause of Christ. He is using you in ways you won't know about till you get to glory. He was using them that day to foreshadow and to prophesy the fact that one day, one day our weak, feeble governments will all be gone. The wicked, the not so wicked, the better, and even the best that human governments have to offer. They'll all fade away. We will not be ruled by presidents and parliaments. We won't have prime ministers and foreign ministers that will rule over us. Jesus Christ will be our king. And he will rule us. And we will have joy everlasting. Hey, you know something? What's even better than all of this? What's even more amazing than all of this that I've discussed this morning? And it's, it's great. <laughs> you, might th you might think it couldn't get any better. And it is amazing. And you might think that, well, the Bible is so amazing, there's nothing any more amazing than what we've looked at this morning. But could I tell you, it's more amazing and it's even better and it's this. This King of Kings and Lord of Lords. It's going to come riding on a white horse. I know him. I know him. 1968, Rose Lane Baptist Church. I walked down the aisle and I met the Lord Jesus Christ. And could I say this? Humbly. I, I don't certainly could never deserve it. In a million years, but not only do I know him, but he's my friend. He's a friend of sinners, just like we are. That's what we are, just sinners saved by grace. Or a sinner this morning needing grace. You're one or the other. You're either sinner saved by grace or you're a sinner in need of grace, one or the other. That's all that there is in this world. Sinners who've been saved by grace and sinners who are desperately in need of it. If you are in that second category, if you are that sinner that is desperately in need of grace, could I tell you something? You could meet the Savior today. This King of Kings that's in this book that I've been reading about, oh, what a blessed book. Oh, what a glorious truth. I've been reading about him to you this morning. I read about his foreshadowing in the person of David. I read about his foreshadowing and, and, and the triumphal entry. And then I read about the prophecy of him coming one day. And could I say he's waiting for you right now? He went to the cross. This king of kings coming back riding on a white horse. He's waiting for you right now. He's waiting for you. He's waiting for you to come to him and say, Jesus, I'm sorry. So I, I got to say this. I know I'm already out of time, but just give me a minute. I got to say this.
I was talking to Ronnie Bearfield the other day, and you know Ronnie's crazy. He ain't got a lick of sense. No, I'm serious. I love him to death with all my heart, but he ain't got one lick of sense. We were riding down the road, and he started telling me, he started telling me about he was ushered into a room where a great man of God had lived and died in that house. It was his office. And he said that after he died, they found some papers in the trash. And they pulled them out. You know what they were, Brother Harry? They showed them to him. They saved them. They showed them to him. This man, every morning of his life, would get up, and before he would do anything else in his day, he would write a letter to Jesus. He would just pull out his pen and say, Dear Jesus, I'm going to need you today. I'm not worthy of your help. I'm not worthy of your grace. But I'm struggling here. And I'm going to need you today. And he said three or four pages. Each letter was three or four pages. They, had, they, they were bound up in his office. He had thousands upon thousands of letters. Because every morning of the world, he would get up and he would write a letter to Jesus. <laughs> and Ronnie looked at me and he said, Preacher, I'm so wicked. He said, I, I, I see a man like that, how dedicated to the Savior he is. And I think, man, I just get up and run out the door. I gotta preach here. I gotta preach there. I gotta, I gotta start this program. I gotta get this finished. I gotta go, go, go. But here is a man of God that did so much more than I'll ever do. He had time every morning to write a letter to Jesus. Why is that? Because he knew the King of Kings personally. He knew him. Personally, do you know the Lord today? If you don't know Jesus, don't leave until you get introduced to Him. Don't leave until you have made, as the Bible says, your calling and election sure. Make sure you're saved today. Make sure you know Jesus before you leave this place. Then, along with the rest of us who already know Jesus, together we can... We can commemorate Holy Week. Now, we celebrate the resurrection. We commemorate Holy Week. There's a difference. To celebrate means to be so happy and so joyful and to jump up and down. Oh, it's great. And it is. It's, it's, we celebrate Jesus raising from the dead. Absolutely. But we commemorate Holy Week. You know why? Because nobody should be celebrating the death of Jesus. <laughs> we should remember it. And it ought to grieve our soul. My grandfather, Max Samuel Moore, stood up at the Canaan Baptist Church back in the 1970s and he prayed this prayer. Dear God, I'm sorry that we sin so much that you had to send your only son 
to pay our price on the cross of Calvary. Never forget my grandfather who's with the Lord now praying that prayer. Oh, my friend, if you don't know Jesus, today's the day. This is the time and this is the place. Dear Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to preach the message. Use it among us today. We love you and Lord, we, we, we need you. We're nothing without you. And somebody here today needs Jesus. Probably several somebodies need Jesus. They're standing there and they're thinking, if I can just get out of this building, I'll be okay. They'll just hurry up and get this invitation over with. and I can leave and go home. I'll forget about all of this. And it won't bother me anymore. Oh, dear Lord, don't stop bothering them. Don't stop dealing with them. Whether they walk this aisle this morning or not, Lord, don't stop dealing with them. May they realize that this is the most loving, gracious, glorious invitation they've ever had to learn who Jesus is. To have His saving grace forgive them and cleanse them. Speak to us, we pray, this morning. Amen. Let's stand together while they sing. If the Lord is speaking to you, and He is, I think He's speaking to every one of us this morning. I think every one of us, saved and lost, if you're lost, He's wooing you, drawing you to, to salvation. If you're saved, I believe He's speaking to you, affirming and confirming the reality of this message that comes from the Word of God in your life. But whatever your situation, whatever your state, whatever your place in life, the Lord is dealing with you specifically about salvation this morning. Would you come right now while they sing? Some are known by great authority For kingdoms far as eyes can see And royal robes they rule from thrones Waging war they overthrow the weak And call it Don't wait, victory. don't put it off Right now, this morning. My king is known by mercy. While this spirit is moving so rich my in your life. My king is known by grace. For the hope in his name and the power that saves. My king is known by the cross. Amen. My king is known by an empty grave for all that he's does. My king is known by love. Hey, before they sing this next verse, let me just say this. We're all going to meet Jesus. Everybody in this room, you're going to know him one day. You may spend your whole life running from Him. You may spend your whole life trying to make sure that you don't have to come face to face with Jesus. But one day you will. You will. There's no doubt. But the difference is, those who have already met Him down here, 
We're longing to meet Jesus, our Savior. But if you don't meet him down here, you won't meet him as your Savior. You'll meet him as your judge. I'm not going to judge you. I don't have any power over that. No, it's not me. You're not going to stand before Brother Harry. You're not going to stand before Brother Jim. You're not going to stand before our deacon board. You're not going to stand before the judges in Cecil County or Chester County or Lancaster County. You're going to stand before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And he's going to judge you. And you're going to know him one day. I think, I think it would be so wonderful if you met him today. That's, that's what I think. I think it would be so wonderful if you met him today and you left here knowing he's your Savior. And you didn't have to fear him as your judge. I'm not afraid of my Savior. But oh, I tell you, when I was lost, I sure was afraid of my judge. I'm so glad he's my Savior this morning. Y'all finish that song. I can almost see him even now Rejected with thorns upon his brow What kind of king would leave his throne And make my sin and shame his own Yes, yet he gave his life for me gave his life for me Amen. my king is known by mercy I'm so glad he is my king is known I'm so glad he's grace. known by grace for the hope in his name and the power that saves my king is known by the cross Oh. 